Welcome back to Well, That's Interesting, the uh, normalize eating a can of refried beans after a workout edition. For real. Uh, <laughs> you cannot shame anyone for eating refried beans before a workout, right. after a workout, during during a workout. If you want to whip open a can of beans while you're you know, on a treadmill, please do it. Do that's it. totally normal. You are fine. If you want to skip the working out part and just eat beans, that's also just normal bean. too. Just bean. All bean? All day? All bean all day, you guys. <laughs> right. All bean It's all okay. Day. It's fine. In this space, you can eat that. Absolutely. That's right. Uh, and before we get into our episode today, I, I think we want to do like a just a quick shout out and a thanks to two amazing podcasts. Yes. Uh, they've shown us a lot of love over the internets, and we really think our listeners should check them out. Uh, Slay Queens, if you're into true crime, this this is the podcast for you. You're going to love these guys. I love them. Wayne and Ash, y'all are the best. The best. Funny, charming. They cover really sensitive topics with the LGBTQ community, and uh, they're just fantastic. Can't say enough about them and their podcast, and also Lumpy Mother. Fuck yeah. We it's see you. the best you. name ever. We see you. <laughs> we hear you. We love y'all. So please, check out Lumpy Mother. Uh, they're, uh, they're, they're so funny. They're amazing on Twitter. Uh, they're basically two new moms just hacking through motherhood just with machetes of laughter i i don't know how <laughs> people do it i mean having a podcast is hard enough can you imagine having a podcast and another human that came out of you uh, I, that's so crazy hard I, I i was barely able to open that can of beans oh my gosh <laughs> so so much credit and uh so much love to natalie and sarah yeah with so the lumpy mother there you go please check out slay queens lumpy mother and thank you for tuning in to episode 027. Yeah. Uh, that time apartments were built with radioactive beams. I I love this <laughs> title. Also, I am with uh, Joel Chacha. Oh, shit. Yes, that is me. And I am with uh, non-radioactive Marissa Riley. As, you know, as far as we know so far. So, <laughs> um, this sounds crazy bad. Crazy bad. It was... Uh, and it, but it it did not take place in the United States, surprisingly. <laughs> so, what? Are you saying this didn't happen in Florida, or is this your way of segueing to saying it didn't happen in the United States? It happened in Florida, <laughs> in the magical place of Florida. Not today, uh, although I promise we'll probably have Florida come up in the in betweeny on uh, an upcoming episode because amazing. they're just it, that's the gift that just keeps on giving. I I can't Florida. get enough of Florida. Uh, so no, we're gonna, we're actually gonna head to Taiwan, but before we do so, we have to snuggle back into our time machine. Oh yeah. And we gotta crank that dial back all the way to the wacky year of 1992. Fuck yeah. That's right. Uh, the largest shopping mall in the States, the Mall of America, officially opened its doors. Euro Disney opened in France, and South Africans voted for political reforms to end apartheid, but most importantly... Lethal Weapon 3 was released. What a time. <laughs> what a time. What a time. Now, does this have anything to do with our story? Not really. I just wanted to know what happened that year because I have barely any recollection of 1992. Me either. Not to brag, I was um, two 
Aw. Yeah. <laughs> I was too. I remember very little. Sesame Street. Cute. Awesome that year. That's oh, yeah. A, that's a all I killer remember. year for Sesame Street. Sesame 92, Street. They fucking nailed it. Uh, peas <laughs> were awesome that year. Peas. <laughs> it was Peas, Sesame Street, and uh, Plush Toys. That was what I was into. The, the trilogy you need. What else? That's it. Yeah. That's it. Uh, what also happened, and has actual relevance to this story, was an adorable moment between a father and his young son. Um, around a kitchen table one evening, Dad, an employee of Taiwan Power Company, or Tai Power for short, Dad wanted to show his kid one of his like fun work tools and took out a Geiger counter out of his bag. All right, you got to tell me. Yeah. What, what is it? <laughs> what the fuck is it? Because I'm imagining counter? a lot of things. I'm imagining a flamethrower, which is something my dad actually did pull out yes. in front of you. Yeah, and I used it. And you used it. It was a great day. It was a Thanksgiving day, too. It was Thanksgiving. <laughs> it was Thanksgiving. That's how we do it down south. We pull out the flamethrower mm-hmm. that just... he bought for what, like 40 bucks? Yeah, he uh, bragged about it was about $40. Got the parts at uh, Home Depot. Next thing you know, we're starting a huge bonfire. Yep, throwing flames. Controlled. It was a controlled. It was controlled flamethrower based bonfire. Yeah, and he does live in the woods, which sounds more dangerous, but it's actually. <laughs> you know what? I don't have an end to that sentence. <laughs> Tell me more about this uh, Geiger counter. Okay, so like this is one of those things we all know what it is when we see it, but we just don't know the name of it. Okay. Um, so a Geiger counter is used to measure levels of radiation. Lots of them have digital readers, uh, and some of them gauge radiation using a needle. And we've all seen these old school ones in like horror films or disaster shows because their readings are like visually more dramatic. It's yeah. like the part in the movie where the scientist whips out a box looking thing and with a microphone looking thing sticks that in the air and the needle is like resting at zero and then shoots all the way to the right. Ah! Right, yeah, exactly. It's like an easy way to tell the audience something awful is happening. Something right. Something like shoots from zero to whatever. In it. It's it's kind of it's kind of scary. It makes me think of um, in WandaVision right now, um, Kat Dennings' character pulls out like yeah. a bunch of different little things. I don't think any of them are Geiger counters, but they are little like, Oh, that's right. Little boxes that say, like, something's wrong. (laughs) The levels are off the charts on a thing that you don't understand, but you know it's bad. Right, exactly. Yeah, that that cosmic radiation background shit, whatever she was talking about. Is that it? Yes, spoilers. Yeah. Um, Sorry. Oh, you're caught up. You're either caught up or you're never going to watch it. I think that's what WandaVision is for the world right now. Yeah. Don't... uh, don't email us. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, okay, so when that needle does move, yes, something awful is actually happening. It's actually counting every alpha or beta particle that passes in front of it, and it records a count every second or every minute, depending on the machine. Uh, so the more particles in the air per second, for example, the further that needle shoots to the right. Got it. Okay, so when Dad turned on his Geiger counter, to his horror... The counter jumped immediately into levels that screamed dangerous. The family's kitchen was emitting large amounts of radioactivity. No, that's bad. That's very bad. That's where you eat. That is where you eat. <gasps> um, that's where you eat beans. That's where you eat beans after you work out or just in general. That's right. So it was this random moment that led to a $15 million investigation, which actually revealed a disturbing cover-up. And after the break, 
we're going to get into it. But first, let's get this capitalism shit out of the way first. Yep, yep. All right. Buy it. Buy this product. And we're back. We are so back. We're so back, and we're back in Taiwan, 1992. Dad just flipped on his Geiger counter and just fucking discovered that his... He was living in an apartment with the radiation 100 times greater than the recommended dose. (sighs) That's a lot. (laughs) lot. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. That's uh, that's that's more than twice. Yes, that's a hundred times. Yes, and yeah. uh, needless to say, the press got a hold of the story, and it was immediately wondered: was this the only unlucky family? And according to TodayIFoundOut.com, an investigative reporter from the Liberty Times did a little sleuthing, and in July of '92, broke the scoop: the entire apartment complex was off the charts. That's terrible. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's it's, so many people. Oh, it gets even worse. No. Um, so, ah. so, and it wasn't even this building. Uh, word got out that homes in Taipei, Changhui, uh, Taoyuan, and Keelung City were in the same predicament. Radioactive homes were island-wide. Holy shit. Yeah, and the following month, in August of 1992... Taiwan's Atomic Energy Council, the AEC, finally kicked into gear and realized their daunting task. They need to check 200,000 apartments across the country and relocate anyone in the danger zone. Oh, my God. Yeah. And- oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm shaking Jill again shaking by it. the shoulders. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, sorry. And if the entire process was going to be anything like the way it started, they had a huge fucking problem on their hands. Now, would you like to read from the Los Angeles Times article, Taiwan Hunts for Radioactive Apartments? I would love to. All right, here we go. Quote, uh, between 1% and 2% of the 25,000 to 3,000 apartments checked until now are radioactive said Wang Manchow, a vice chairman of the Atomic Energy Council. Those numbers. That's a lot. That was are bad. Yeah. Twenty five to thirty thousand apartments. Yeah. Yeah. One to two percent of them. Wow. Radioactive. Wow. Uh, yeah. Now right out of the gate they found up to eleven hundred homes. Oh my and god. And in their investigation they found each building had a few things in common. Like what? So we can look at ours. <laughs> I know. Uh, okay, other than being radioactive. Okay. Right, right, right. So one, tests showed homes were filled with the highly radioactive particle cobalt-60. Okay. Two, those particles came from the steel reinforcing bars or the rebars in the building walls. Okay. And three, all of those rebars were made by the Xinjiang Iron and Steel Company, in 1982. Fuck. Ten years prior. Fuck. Yeah. Back then, a shipment of 604 tons of, like, random scrap metal was delivered to the company. Okay. And would you like to read how many homes and businesses were built with this fucking material? <laughs> I, I gotta know. I gotta know. Of course I'm reading it. All right. Quote, the scrap metal uh, was melted down and used to produce over 20 thousand tons of rebar which meant between 1982 and 1980 uh which meant between 1982 and 1983 was used in construction of more than 200 buildings Mm -hmm. throughout taiwan including 30 schools and 100 tower blocks including over 1700 apartments yeah holy shit yep 
Schools. Schools. That's the scariest thing. I mean, <laughs> living as well. That's also scary. And yeah. uh, tower blocks, whatever that means, sounds scary. <laughs> but schools sounds really... Fucking 30 schools, at least 1,700 apartments. Uh, And that was all from todayifoundout.com. Now, it should be pointed out that the company had no idea the scrap metal they received was radioactive. Okay. Okay, but here's the shocking part, or the not-so-shocking part, because it's how the fucking world works. The Atomic Energy Council, the AEC, knew of the radioactive buildings as early as 1985 and did nothing about it. You're shitting me. Nope. You're shitting me. Nope. No! <laughs> Who's, yeah. Can we s- s- sue them? I, can we yeah. defund? I don't the, know. The, the what? rage. The rage is building. Oh! <laughs> so, the rage should be building. Uh, so, And they found out in the same way, in the same like random way back in 1985, a dentist in Taipei's Minsheng Villa was having work done on his x-ray machine, okay? Okay. And the technician pulled out a Geiger counter, and it went fucking bonkers. Yeah. And in the same year, 1985, second warning, a delivery of those rebars was sent to a local nuclear power plant for construction, and they set off alarms in the plant. Oh, <laughs> yeah. my God. Yeah. I mean... And, and we did nothing. They didn't do I anything. I mean, not we. Not me. I would have done something. <laughs> I, I would have sent an email uh, <laughs> or something or screamed, maybe cried a little bit, peed yeah. my pants. Uh, but it sounds like they didn't. They, they did not pee in their pants or send an email or a letter in that case, 85. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Needless to say, once this was leaked, um, that people were swimming in cobalt 60 for years without any action being taken, the AEC's reputation was shot to hell and the investigation needed to go deeper. Yeah. Uh, Would you like to read from Asia Week's, uh, Asia Week, this is like the simplest word in this whole damn thing. I can read it. <laughs> it's two words together, but together yeah. it looks a little confusing. AsiaWeek.com's article, mm-hmm. Nuclear Families. Yes, I would love to read it. I'm so <laughs> here for this story. Oh, my God. I feel like Let's Aaron Brockovich right now. Oh, my God. <laughs> Helping she's got the people. She's got her glasses on. It's the 90s. It's... <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Great, uh, great boobs. Great boobs. <laughs> she had like an, uh, a messy like bun during that time am i picturing the right julia roberts when i say that oh when i said great boobs i meant you oh me (laughs) look at you you're too sweet all right let me do the quote okay uh quote one organization doing its own research is the association for radiation safety ars a pressure group campaigning for uh compensation Mm -hmm. for affected residents amazing uh, it was founded by Wang Yulin, who lived in one of the radioactive buildings. His concern was piqued when his daughter was diagnosed with cancer, which can be caused by exposure to radiation, end quote. Oh, my God. I know. I know. Now, the ARS believed the metal sold to Sinjung Iron and Steel Company uh, came from the state-owned monopoly, Thai Power, which runs Thai- Taiwan's three nuclear power plants, uh, and they believe the state-run AEC didn't want to rock the radioactive boat. Yeah. Uh, now, it's a plausible explanation that it came from these three power plants. Yeah. But they have no receipts. Uh, the AEC, who nobody trusts, 
uh, says scrap from Thai power could not be the source because Taiwan doesn't produce cobalt-60. What? Yeah. Wang Manchao, that vice chairman of the Atomic Energy Council, uh, who we quoted early, uh, earlier, right, uh, right. he says the scrap must have then come from the West or even mainland China. Okay. But to this day, it's unclear where that scrap, scrap metal came from. But what is clear was the initial cover-up back in 1985. Oh. Which led to approximately like 10,000 people being exposed daily to radiation for years. So, what the fuck happened? Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. So, in 1993, three AEC officials were indicted for failing to warn of the contamination at Min Sheng Villa, where that dentist guy worked. Yes. Uh, and would you like to read from the Lancet.com about what took place in 1997. Of course I would. All right, quote, a district court in Taipei announced the success of 57 residents in claiming national compensation for physical property and psychological losses resulting in the um, intentional negligence of the government officers who concealed, or gov- government officers, I'm, to- I'm so excited about this, government <laughs> officers who concealed information about radiation contamination of the residents' apartments for nearly a decade, end quote. There you go. Yeah. So the courts kind of reacted pretty fast. Good. For courts, I mean, like within five years, there was some accountability. But then again, there's like only 57 people out of 10,000 were compensated, which seems kind of fucking meager when you look into like what researchers discovered. Um, A five-year study following 14, I'm sorry, a five-year study following 4,100 ex-residents showed no dramatic increases in cancers in this group versus the general population, but that was in adults. Um, Oh, yeah, no. Yeah. Quote, Researchers, however, concluded that excessive radiation did have a negative impact on humans. For example, we discovered that the height of children who had been exposed to radiation exceeding the safety limits were generally below average, Mm. said Chang Wushou, an environmental health sciences professor. He also said that the incidence of cataracts among children who lived in radiation-contaminated buildings was higher than the national level. We also concluded that radiation causes damage to white blood cells, weakening people's immune systems, Chang said. The research, however, was not welcomed by the Atomic Energy Council, the government's nuclear watchdog. Of course. Officials from the council contacted Chang several times, asserting that his research on low-level radiation would not result in any new scientific discoveries. They told him that a low dose of radiation has been demonstrated to be beneficial to humans. What the fuck? End quote. Yeah. I know. What the fuck? Uh (gasps) Uh-huh. Yeah, and this was all that huge quote was from TaipeiTimes.com. Yeah, I, that last part from the AEC, what? In the holy fuck are they talking about? Yeah. (laughs) Especially when they found uh, uh, significant changes with the children, with their fucking eyes, their height, and their fucking immune systems. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's three very big things. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I mean, so say a low, steady dose of radiation every day is good for you is like super controversial. There's like, no, I mean. It's like saying like a little bit of heroin every day. (laughs) Is good for you. <laughs> Taking a tablespoon of gasoline every day is good for you. What, yeah, I mean, I doubt any of those fucking councilmen would live in any of those apartments. No! No way. No way. No. no. That should be their punishment. No, it shouldn't. That's <laughs> terrible. 
That would be funny if it... Nope, it wouldn't be funny. All right, don't listen to me. Oh, gosh. Well, luckily, many of the buildings have been destroyed or decontaminated, and nearly all the residents have been relocated. Uh, But those that remain choose to because the selling price offered by the AEC was far less than what the homeowners had originally paid, and they need the money. Um, And with their apartment or their home up for sale, any potential buyers who like find out the apartments were involved in the 1982-1983 rebar disaster, they, they're like, no, we're not interested anymore because the stigma is still around yeah. that they're radioactive, uh, even though the building may have been decontaminated. And it's been about 40 years since this happened. But yeah, uh, yeah they're like stuck with something that a home that, you know, mentally causes them stress stress because they're like my god this is still kind of radioactive yeah and they can't get rid of it yeah and and obviously studies on what happened to a lot of the people have stopped so they don't have like a clear right they they don't exactly know what it's doing to them right exactly at all times right exactly and that sucks it happened and that's the end of this episode wow i am taking a fucking breath (laughs) What a freaking roller coaster. Oh yeah. my God. I was like, I, you can't see me right now because it's a podcast, but I've, I've been like crouched up in front of Jill's screen, like eyes glued to what she's <laughs> talking about. Just clutching your pearls. Clutching my pearls. I've been slapping her on the back really hard. <laughs> I don't know what that's about. Um, yeah, that yeah. was an incredible story. Yeah. And, uh, geez. That's that's really all all we've got. Yeah. Other than fucking check out those two podcasts. Oh, do it. And stay interesting. Please do.